Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good afternoon and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Connect with us. We love hearing from you. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. We are talking about being healthy. You know, we talk about being healthy in many ways on this show. It started with mental health, emotional health, and we also talk about what it takes to be physically healthy. And today I'm speaking with Dan Butner. He is the founder of Blue Zones, an organization that helps Americans live longer and healthier lives. His groundbreaking work on longevity led to his 2005 National Geographic cover stories, Secrets of Living Longer, and two national bestsellers, The Blue Zones and thrive. He lives in Minneapolis and virtually with me today. He can be found on Facebook and Twitter through his website, bluezones.com. He's got a new book that we are thrilled to be introducing and talking about, and that is entitled The Blue Zones Solutions, Eating and Living Like the World's Healthiest People. It's been out for a week, and it's already uh, a number one bestseller on Amazon. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. (laughs) It makes me happy. Is that is that a fair opener to talk yes. to? Yes. I'm calling you from That's... Minneapolis here, a, a place that routinely, believe it or not, though it's cold most of the year, routinely lands on one of the top four happiest places in the country, according to Gallup. And um, I'm just delighted to be here. 
Well, I um, I love going to the happy place, and I, I I strive to keep myself there as often as possible. You know, doing what I love, and I think that that's uh, a mutual interest that we share. You know, pursuing our passions. Um, and that in of itself generates more happiness. And Minneapolis, every person I've ever met from Minneapolis is a happy person. <laughs> you know, there's something to that, actually. I wrote a book for National Geographic on happiness called Thrive, and we found in it that if happiness were a cake recipe, then having a fulfilling job, having the right spouse, making enough money so we have food, shelter, and some health care, uh, feeling like we're living out our purpose. The the most important ingredient, the 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 factor with the most variability, is actually where we live. So if you're unhappy, one of the most reliable things you can do is move to a happier place in the country, which sounds far fetched. But I did some research and found that according to the U.S. Census Bureau, that the average American moves about 10 times in his or her adult life. So that's 10 opportunities uh, to get sustainably happier. Well, I, I agree with you about living in a place that um, generates more joy for, for people. And I personally, I live at the beach. The beach is my happy place. I like the, <laughs> the water, the, 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 the ocean mist, the smell of the air. And I think... Um, when we live in that happy space and when we are surrounded by our tribe, we can't help but elevate our well-being. You know, it just goes hand in hand. Let's talk about the blue zones. What are blue zones? Let's, let's decode the, 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 the colors here. Well, it's part of a 10-year project for National Geographic. I led it that sought to find the pockets around the world where people live the longest. And because only 20% of how long we live is dictated by genes, now the other 80% is lifestyle and environment, we, in a sense, set out to reverse engineer longevity, uh, i.e., we know these people are living a long time. Now, what are they doing and what are the common denominators? And that's what the Blue Zone Solution does, is it, it um, folds it all into a nice uh, guide for living longer for, for Americans. Are the blue zones the answer to the obesity epidemic in, in America? In a word, yes. In these blue zones, fewer than 10% of people are obese, whereas in America, 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. And longevity and fitness and youthfulness and looking good and having energy, they all go hand in hand. They're all part of the same package. So if you're shooting to live to be 100, you're also shooting healthy today and happier and we are uh, we being uh, americans we are a an aging population that is being held together and kept alive longer by medicine and what i hear you saying about the blue zones is there is a way to um perhaps do this with uh, less medical intervention and more mindful practice Yes. So mostly what I do is I work with entire cities, Fort Worth, Texas among them, Los Angeles, Naples, state of Iowa, state of Hawaii, to take these Blue Zones principles and put them to work. And the key element is not trying to get people to change their behavior or hammer the notion of individual responsibility, because though it's a a good idea, it just doesn't work. You can't get people to remember a behavior 
for long enough, the decades it takes to make a difference, um, to make it a really sound strategy for health and population. If you look at the blue zones, Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Icaria, Greece, Costa Rica, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists in America, none of the spry centenarians there, spry 100-year-olds, ever said at age 50, well, oh darn it, I'm going to get on that longevity diet and live another 50 years. They, they didn't buy a Stairmaster. They didn't call an 800 number for a supplement. They just <laughs> lived in environments where the healthy choice was either the easy choice or un, unavoidable. So mostly what I've been doing with the company called Healthways is uh, making healthier cities so people mindlessly are nudged into moving more eating less, eating more plant-based, socializing with higher quality and living out their purpose. And this is with evidence-based uh, interventions. And this is tremendous because what, what, we're, what we're doing or what you're doing and what these cities are doing is creating a hospitable place in which to live where this healthy lifestyle becomes just assimilated. It's just part of what we do in our day-to-day life. And, and, and I love the idea of not having to think about it. You know, I think that, you know, we have too much to think about. So this is, this is a right. good thing. This, you're absolutely right. We're too busy to remember, and it requires discipline. But yet, you know, if you live in a city like San Luis Obispo, um, this is a city that in, not in uh, a few years ago decided, the uh, mayor there uh, decided to work with the city council to bring in policies that favor quality of life rather than commerce or what, or of the second or third um, economic development. He said, no, we're going to make this a place for humans. And he did things like cast ordinance, no drive-through at fast food restaurants. Uh, bicycles took um, uh, dominance over cars downtown. They made the, si- the size of uh, fast food signs smaller so that they were less blaring to people and less alluring to bring people into places that weren't all that healthy. And sure enough, he brought the obesity rate down to the lowest in the nation. About 12% of people are obese, and compared to places like Binghamton, uh, New York, or or McAllen, Texas, where about 38% of people are obese, and they, they didn't really make these efforts. So the key is, is bringing in the right policies that are appropriate for any given city. Fascinating. Let's talk for a moment about um, the newest book, The Blue Zone Solution, Eating and Living Like the World's Healthiest People, because this is a little bit different in format than your previous books. The first book, The Blue Zones, was really a, a mystery story. Of uh, I wrote it for National Geographic. It started as a cover story of finding the longest-lived people and learning their lessons. And the Blue Zone Solution is more about how you can put the lessons to work in your life. And I realized, though, the Blue Zone really isn't about a diet. Nonetheless, the the entrance ramp to a healthier living, I believe, is through our mouths. So the first third of the book is what I think is a definitive longevity diet. We took 155 dietary surveys, and we distilled them into some nice, neat guidelines for us to follow, uh, not only what to eat, but how to eat them. And uh, that's how that's how the book starts off. 
and in it you you have some wonderful recipes as i was as i was going through the book i'm thinking oh yeah i'm going to be cooking that and i'm 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 looking right here at the ikarian stew and which you say is is one of your favorite longevity recipes so tell me what it is in this recipe in particular and if you and if you don't remember the recipe ingredients i'll i'll i'll, I'll I remember through it i make it all the time in fact i <laughs> i made that for an entire city Elbert Lee, minnesota I made it for 2,500 people, and they ate every last drop of it. Um, so Ikaria, Greece, is one of our blue zones. And in blue zones, people eat mostly a plant-based diet, and bean, beans are the cornerstone of every longevity diet in the world. So this is black-eyed peas, fennel, tomatoes, some garlic, some red onion, uh, and then um, uh, cook slowly for about an hour and then finish with... Uh, with uh, some uh, extra virgin olive oil. It costs about a dollar serving, and it contains all the healthiest longevity ingredients from the Blue Zone. And the bottom line is, and I found people like it. If you don't, you, I could tell you that broccoli is a longevity food around the world and guaranteed to add five years to your life, but if you don't like it, you're not going to eat it. The Korean stew is delicious. It, 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 I'm, I will be making this for my family because I happen to love these ingredients and um, I know that I know that it's good for me and I know it's going to taste amazing. We are going to go to a break and when we come back we are going to carry on the conversation with Dan Butner about his latest book, The Blue Zone Solution, Eating and Living Like the World's Healthiest People. To learn more, please visit bluezones.org. And on Facebook, you can find Dan at Blue Zones. And on Twitter, guess what? You can find him at the same place, Blue Zones. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Love is in the air, in the thunder of the sea. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share. Why? Because sharing is is caring, most definitely. In its kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7, and we are talking about Optimal Health and Optimal Living with Dan Buettner. He is the author of several books, um, The Secrets of Living Longer, The Blue Zones, and Thrive. His latest book is The Blue Zones Solutions, Eating and Living Like the World's Healthiest People. And prior to the break, we were talking about some of the recipes in this latest book, which look phenomenal. But I want to chat with you, Dan, more about the translation of the blue zones um, into optimal health. You know, what we can do, what, what can we as individuals go out and change today, a very simple kind of intervention that will really impact our, our health for the short and long term. Let me give you the three components of changing your health or happiness, either way. Number one, you need credible information. Number two, you need practical ideas on how to apply that information. And number three, you need the right environment, both social and physical, so that becomes easy. So that's how I laid out Blue Zones. What do the longest with people eat? 155 studies with the University of Minnesota. And then how to set up, what are some practical ideas on how to set up your environment? One of the things we found very successful with our Blue Zone city projects around the country is giving people a simple refrigerator magnet. Now, you can do this with a post-it note, but there's very good evidence. Uh, First of all, you should not deprive yourself. A deprivation diet is never going to work. So you should feel free that if you like ice cream, eat it. If you like a burger, eat it, but make that a celebratory meal. The other meals that you eat every day in your home, you should try to engineer those so they're a little healthier. We eat about 1,100 meals a year. I say make 1,000 of them healthy and celebrate the other 100. So one of the ways it really works in our cities is to put the four foods you never bring in your house. That isn't to say you can't have them, but if they're not in your house, you're going to cut out 60% of them. And those four foods, and there's an evidence base with each of those, are soda pops, processed meats, sugar-sweetened, uh, um, uh, packaged sweets, and salty chips. Those are the four foods most highly correlated with longevity. We say never have those in your house. Eat them outside if you want. And then the foods you should always have in your house and put them out so you see them every time you walk through your kitchen is uh, a bowl with your favorite fruit. I'm not going to say any one fruit's healthier than the other because I just want you eating more fruit and fruits you like. Uh, number two, nuts. We know that people who eat a handful of nuts every day live two to three years longer than people who don't eat nuts. Number three, sweet potatoes. Uh, sweet potatoes are cheap. They're easy to make. The longest-lived women on the planet, Okinawan, 60% of their diet until 1950 was sweet potatoes. If you want to make them delicious, you add a little bit of coconut milk and mash it up. It's absolutely phenomenal. And then a 100%, and I emphasize 100% whole wheat bread because we live in a culture that likes sandwiches. So uh, whatever you put in the between the sandwich, ideally it's plant-based, but uh, um, have, uh, have that 100% whole wheat bread on the outside. These are very simple and, and, and smart tips. And what I love the, uh, about what you just said is to make, uh, you have 1,100 meals a year approximately, 
make a thousand of them, you know, blue zone and, and go out and enjoy those other meals, celebrate with those things that, that we all love to kind of munch on occasionally and ice cream being a, a top hit for me personally. Um, but you also advocate for a plant-based diet, which means that in our day-to-day lives, when we're eating for optimal health and well-being, you're suggesting that we limit um, animal-based uh, food sources. Well, I just want to be clear. I don't suggest anything uh, my, myself. In the Blue Zone uh, solution, we did what's called a meta-analysis. So we looked at what these five cultures that are living long, uh, what they've eaten for the past 100 years. They're looking at dietary surveys done throughout the last century. And what we find is about 90% of their calories come from plant-based sources. Uh, 10% come from animal. Uh, they do eat meat. But we find the optimal amount of meat is probably five times per month, no more. Uh, there's absolutely no cow's dairy in any of the blue zones or any significant amount of cow's dairy. Uh, there's a little bit of pecorino and feta cheese. Um, 65% of their calories come from carbohydrates, which <laughs> will shock some people. It's a very high-carb diet. Uh, but to be careful, it's not the simple carbs like sweets and candies, it's the complex carbs like oatmeal, slow-cooked oatmeal, 100% whole wheat bread, uh, the um, sweet potatoes, and the cornerstone of every longevity diet in the world is beans. Uh, If we could get about a cup of beans into our diet every day, it would probably add about four years to our life expectancy. Uh, Beans deliver more protein ounce for ounce than beef does at one-fifth the cost. So we're big big fans of beans in the Blue Zones, or they're big fans of beans anyway. And like I said, I have recipes in the back. Uh, about half the recipes are bean-based so that you can learn how to make beans taste good. And I think that's the killer app for health in America. And, you know, and I hear you sharing something really, really important um, about the cost, that, that, that this uh, way of being, this way of living is, a, is, is quite inexpensive, I, ironically. I hear this a lot, that, oh, I can't afford to shop at Whole Foods and buy organic. Well, in Blue Zones, people are all below the poverty line, but they do grow their own garden, so they'll supplement some of their food there. Beans are dirt cheap. Um, most whole grains, you buy them in bulk and learn how to make them, are uh, are very cheap. So uh, the idea of the recipes in the Blue Zone solution is that nothing costs more than a couple dollars a survey. They're quick to make, and uh, your family will love them. Most definitely. And I want to ask you, um, going back to the women of Okinawa and the um, – the, the sweet potatoes is and I wanted to know if you have any information on the incidences of cancer in these women because it seems to me that or with the yams rather that that this um, food source would help reduce cancer yeah so it's specifically it's sweet potatoes which is different than yam I know they look very similar but it's, it's specifically sweet potato very high in beta carotene. And indeed, Lisa, uh, they suffer about one-fifth the rate of breast and colon cancer compared to Americans. Now, we can't attribute that wholly to the sweet potatoes. We just know sweet potatoes is really prominent in their diet. 
Also, tofu is very prominent in their diet, probably eight times more than we consume. And then the other thing is they, they make these delicious stir-fries with uh, greens and daikon, tofu, and nice spices. And it has five times the volume of a hamburger and fewer calories. And it's full of all these um, powerful anti-cancer. You, you know, we tend to think of cancer as an event. Like we wake up one day and our doctors say we have cancer. Cancers are actually started as a single rogue cell. And if you're eating the right kind of food, you have kind of a patrol, kind of a mop-up squad that will kill that rogue cell before it becomes a problem. And that's why it's so important to eat these healthy foods, these greens, these beans, uh, tofu, sweet potato, uh, every day if you can. Something that you said about, you know, going into the communities as you do, because you, you actually work with cities and states. You, you work with individuals, I'm sure, but going into government or those who are responsible for legislation to make some of these changes that build better infrastructures for healthy communities is fantastic. And, and, and I see how people can easily get on board with this. It's like we are going to uh, adopt this healthy lifestyle and you make it easy for people to just jump right on it. And this is brilliant. Yeah, so in the cities we work with, and we work with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa, it's called Wellmark and HMSA in Hawaii, Texas Health Resource in, um, in, in Fort Worth, Texas there. The, it, increasingly, insurance companies realize that they cannot just be in the business of making sick people less sick. They have to keep them healthier in the first place. And, and our team, uh, we have 100 or 110 little tweaks. We call it silver buckshot as opposed to silver bullet on ways we can tweak food policy and street policy so that healthy foods are more accessible and walking is easier than taking the car. Uh, we go in, Our team goes into every restaurant, grocery store, school, and workplace with a checklist that helps uh, these places make the their environments 20% healthier. They're kind of like pledges, checklists. And uh, and then we are able to usually reach about 15 or 20% of individuals to take a Blue Zone pledge. And we've seen, Lisa, drops in obesity and drops in smoking in the double digit, which saves tens of millions of dollars when you have a population of several hundred thousand people. Not to mention an increase in emotional well-being. I mean, there is a very strong correlation between the foods that we put in our body and how it affects our mood, how it affects depression, anxiety, sleep hygiene. I mean, there there is compelling evidence that points the finger directly to um, helping ourselves by what we what we take in, what we eat. You are absolutely right. If you're Obese in this country, you're about 15% more likely to be uh, clinically depressed than if you maintain a healthy weight. And the, the uh, along with the uh, insulin swings of eating sweets, it's all, you also get these emotional swings that exhaust you psychologically. So um, happiness and health go hand in hand. If, if, you're, if you're living a happy life, it adds about eight years to your life expectancy. Hmm. 
That's not surprising. And when you look at um, aging populations and and in your work, when you've spoken with these older people who come from the blue zones that say, you know, talk about their happiness, talk about their well-being, what are some of the other things that they say to you besides the diet? What are some of the, 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 the wisdom, pearls of wisdom that they share? Yeah. So they invest heavily in a tight social network. In Okinawa, they call it a MOAI, M-O-A-I, MOAI. And uh, it's a committed social network of four or five women who uh, pledge to support each other through the thick and the thin. Uh, they tend to be people who have healthy behaviors. We know that if your three best friends are, are obese and unhappy, you're about 150% more likely to be overweight and unhappy yourself. Um, knowing your sense of purpose, uh, having done the internal inventory to know what am I good at, what do I like to do, what are my passions, and what's my outlet for them. And sometimes it's our work, usually not. But most of us have to go out and volunteer, and uh, we know that we see this in blue zones, but uh, uh, volunteering results in people who have lower BMI, so they're less likely to be obese, poor health care costs, and they report higher levels of happiness everywhere in the country. Mm. We are almost out of time, and I wanted to give our listeners maybe one or two more um, tips for optimal living the blue zone way before we go. Two things. Number one, if you don't have one, adopt a dog. You're only half as likely to be overweight if you own a dog, and dogs are long-term commitments, 10 or 12 years. And number two, I'm a big believer that you cannot manage it if you can't measure it. And on our website, bluezones.com, we have a free longevity calculator that will tell you how long you're going to live, but also to estimate how many healthy years you have in front of you and give you a customized list of things from the book that will help you live longer. So you can try that free. It takes about three minutes. And the Blue Zones uh, website, bluezones.com, there are also, there are tons of resources there. And I want to urge our listeners to go visit your website because there are, there's a happiness test on there that relates to your book, Thrive. There are lots of, of, of fun resources, information. There are videos that, uh, uh, that you've given. There's a TED Talk that you've given. There's lots of good stuff. So once again, the book is The Blue Zone Solution. Eating and Living Like the World's Healthiest People by my amazing guest, Dan Butner, And it is number one on Amazon after just a week. And um, to learn more, once again, go to BlueZones.com on Facebook, Blue Zones, and at Twitter, Blue Zones as well. Dan, you've been an absolute delight. And we need to sit down and have a face-to-face because that is the way to get happier together. <laughs> I agree, and you can't see it right now, but I'm giving you a huge audio hug. So me too. I'm big on those. Love I'm you. Big Thank on those. you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Have a have a fabulous day, and just enjoy the ride with this book because uh, I'm having you, a blast. You know you're onto something good. Clean body, clean mind, catch a fish every time. I'll leave that with you. <laughs> Perfect. Once again, <laughs> the Blue Zone Solution with Dan Buechner.
Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays, 2 to 5, on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we are chatting about what it takes to thrive, to feed our bodies, our minds, and our souls well. And my next guest is doing just that. He is an eater. We are talking about the act of eating, the joy of eating, and how to make it a happy one. Dan Pashman is the James Beard Award-nominated host of WNYC's Sporkful Food Podcast and Cooking Channel's You're Eating It Wrong, as well as the author of Eat More Better, How to Make Every Bite More Delicious. Dan also contributes to NPR, Slate, BuzzFeed, and L.A.'s KCRW. Let's just jump right into this conversation because my household, I was telling Dan, we are a family of foodies and eaters. We are all about the food. We're a Jewish family. Jews love food. So maybe that's (laughs) what it's about. (laughs) Dan, good morning. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I am awesome. And I'm really excited to be with you because this is right in our wheelhouse over here at Shea Cayman. So let's talk about your, your podcast series and you know how you inject science, humor, and you've got this beautiful illustrated guidebook for anyone who loves food. And we're talking about eaters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think sort of the underlying message of that is really that you know, everyone's an eater. We all eat. Uh, and, and hopefully we all get pleasure from eating and from food. Um, and to be clear, like, I'm not against foodies, and I have certain foodie tendencies. Um, but I do feel like perhaps there's a, certain, uh, there's a certain type of food media and food content out there that I think uh, leaves a lot of people who really love food and love to eat feeling left out. Uh, it feels like it's not for them because maybe they don't go to fancy restaurants or they don't have a lot of expertise in the kitchen. Um, and, and so really what I try to get to uh, with my podcast, The Sporkful, with the book, uh, is just this sort of universality of the eating experience. This is something that everybody 
like across the world, you know, that, that we can all connect with is, is food and eating and the pleasure that we get from it. Well, it's about communing too. When we sit around with people that we really are connected with, and even when we're just sitting alone, there's no reason why we can't celebrate and savor when we're sitting alone, but there is this sense of communing with the food, communing around the table in, in community. And I think that that's what your book and your series really gets to the heart of as well. It's about the joy of just eating of the senses. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, sometimes when I'm working on episodes of my podcast, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll say to my producer, this episode is too much about the food. I want it to be more like it should be more about the people. And we'll end up only spending half the time really talking about the food. And it's more about the people that the food has brought together. Um, that happened in a recent episode on donuts. I went to this really old donut shop in Brooklyn and I was talking to these these guys who've been living in this neighborhood in Brooklyn for 70 plus years, and they go to this, they meet at this donut shop every morning um, to have donuts. And one of them had spent 77 years living in this neighborhood and was getting priced out because of gentrification. It was sort of like his last week hanging out at the donut shop with his buddies until he was going to have to move to far away where he could afford to live. Um, so that was a really interesting, sort of powerful story. But then th there's also elements of, of it, like you suggest, that where in that same episode, I, we had a extended discussion about the art of dunking donuts into coffee and the best way to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so a lot of it, especially in the book, gets into this idea of strategy. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I guess it's sort of based on the premise that you only get so many bites in life and I want to make every bite that I take as delicious as possible. And I think that there are really simple, fun ways for all of us to do that without needing any special expertise just by sort of stopping and thinking a little bit more like don't just shove your donut into your coffee like think about what you're doing like you could make it way better if you just take some simple steps <laughs> which well it makes perfect sense because it, it, it loops into this whole principle of mindless mindfulness of paying attention to what you're doing whether it's dunking your donut, whether it's biting your donut, whether it's communing with your cup of coffee and that presence makes us able to feel more alive. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I did a story um, on Valentine's Day a while back about eating alone. And I interviewed Deepak Chopra for it and asked him to give advice to people when you're eating by yourself. And he, and he sort of said exactly what you said, you know, the importance of mindfulness and just the importance of stopping, you know, put your phone down. You're eating alone. Like we have this tendency, and I, I fall into the trap sometimes too, this tendency of feeling like, well, I'm eating alone. I better whip out my phone so I have something to do to entertain me while I'm eating. But then you miss what you're eating, you know. And I went out after I talked to Deepak. I went out and got a slice of pizza, and I was determined to like have like to experience like total pizza awareness, you know, and eat and and be totally focused on my slice of pizza. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't look at the other people in the restaurant. I just sat there and I looked at the pizza and I smelled it and I really ate it slowly. And it was such a satisfying experience to see these little like, first I just looked at it and I saw the, the little tributaries of sauce flowing down beneath, around the crevices of the cheese and the, 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 the charred bits of the crust and just sort of looking at it and then hearing the crust crackle as I folded the slice over and biting into it. And it was so satisfying. Um, it was, man, that was a good slice of pizza. <laughs> 
Well, as you're describing it, I'm there with you. My eyes are closed. I'm imagining everything that you've just described. And I think you probably need to like add the moniker sensualist after your name too. Because <laughs> describe, <laughs> you describe that so perfectly. And I don't know about you and your show, but Sarah, my producer, and I, we talk about like show content. And she was like, you know, the best shows – are always about food and sex. And I'm like, dang, there it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's better not to overthink it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, you just go with it. Let's talk about the book because Eat More Better is a tongue-in-cheek textbook that teaches readers how to eat for maximum pleasure. And you've got the chapters divided, like, I think, absolutely adorably. Engineering, philosophy, economics, and physical science. I mean, you, you've got this down. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and to be clear, you know, big emphasis on the tongue-in-cheek part of the textbook. The, the book is meant to be uh, fun and funny and entertaining and the kind of book that you can sort of flip open to any page and find something that you'll engage, even if you want to just flip through a book for five or ten minutes. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 is, it is a tongue-in-cheek textbook, and, you know... <sighs> People ask me, like, where do you get these ideas? Like, how much time does your work on the book? And, I mean, considering that how, how all-encompassing the book is, I mean, it didn't take – it took me maybe a year to write it. But I like to say I was researching it for about 35 years. You know, I'm just sort of like a very detail-oriented person. I think a lot – I sort of – I notice little details and I think a lot about them and I love to eat. And so – I just sort of have had accumulated all of these observations and theories and opinions and strategies for just how to squeeze every bit of deliciousness out of every meal, whether it's whether that means uh, the best strategy at an all-you-can-eat buffet or or at, on Thanksgiving dinner or the best way to maintain crisp and crunch in foods that are prone to condensation or the ideal size of ice cubes in your cocktail. Um, or uh, what to order on a first date uh, in the love and relationship section of the book. Um, these are kind of like things that, um, you know, like it's really not a cookbook. I like to say it's an eating manual. Um, and I think it's, it's the kind of thing that, that you read it and you're like, oh, I never really thought about that. And then you'll find that weeks later, you ju it just keeps coming up in conversation. This is one of the fun things I love when I hear from people. They're like, I just keep talking about it without even meaning to because it's sort of, what, like burrows a hole into your brain and uh, and keeps coming back to you. Let's illustrate the pork lift, for example. Yes, the pork, pork lift. The pork lift is a strategy. That's right. And, and I mean, Lisa, I don't know how, uh, I know you said you're Jewish. I mean, do you guys eat pork in your house? We eat kosher bacon. Okay, fair and enough. And I say that facetiously because <laughs> that, mean, <laughs> that, means, that means that I eat pork bacon. I grew up in a household of like conservative Jews, but like the one kosher trafe food was bacon. Right. <laughs> so ha, ha, what do you do to, for, uh, for it to pass as kosher in your home? Well, I just eat it. But I will tell you that <laughs> I, I, I put it in the oven. I roast my bacon. That's oh. how I get, get it done. Yeah. Well, but so, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this problem, but, you know, when you eat pancakes, you have your stack of pancakes, you pour syrup on, the syrup flows down onto the plate and tends to sort of pool on the plate. And when that happens, in your experience, what happens to the bottom pancake? Oh, it's a mess. Soggy, pitiful mess. Right, right. That, you know, enter the pork lift, okay? So you yes. 
You take your strips of bacon and you arrange them in, in a lattice structure. Kind of picture like a tic-tac-toe board with an extra couple of bars and you weave them in and out like a lattice. And I, um, that may sound complicated, but it's actually really easy and super fun, uh, albeit messy. And you weave that bacon lattice structure together and you put it underneath your pancake stack. And that elevates the stack of pancakes above plate level. So when the syrup pools on the plate, your bottom pancake does not get soggy. And that's called the pork lift. The other advantage of the pork lift is that um, your bacon soaks up a little maple syrup. So now you just made maple glazed bacon at the same oh. time that you saved your pancake. That to me is more divine than the pancake. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, the, and the pork lift is, it's fun. And these are also great. A lot of the techniques in the book, like the pork lift, these are things you can do with your kids. Um, I have a whole following on my podcast called the Sporkful Junior Eater Society. A bunch of kids, especially sort of like ages 6 to 12, who are really into just sort of trying to look at food in a different way. You know, kids are, are, are fun in this respect because they, they haven't been brainwashed by all of our dumb grown-up rules. And they're more willing to reimagine basic eating scenarios and think of different ways to do it. So they get really into things like the pork lift. Well, this is going to go over very well in my house because I actually have uh, a daughter who's on her way to the new school to the food studies program in the fall. Oh, cool. So <laughs> this is serious business over here. Well, she already, gonna... has, she already has her first textbook. Oh, she does. And I'm going to make sure that she reads it. We're going to go to a break. And we are serving up Sporkfuls of Joy with Dan Pashman today. And you can find out more by going to www.sporkful.com. On Facebook, Dan Pashman is at Sporkful. And on Twitter, guess what? It's at the Sporkful. Here come those tunes. And we will be right back. like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Wow. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I would not. So good. Welcome. 
welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you are joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's most definitely joyful. And we are talking about food, about really eating food with Dan Pashman, who is an author. He has his own radio show. Um, his book, Eat More Better, is really a, a textbook, uh, a tongue-in-cheek textbook, rather, that teaches us to eat for maximum pleasure. So, Dan, let's get serious now about how we manage food in mediocre places, or mediocre food in maybe great places. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's that's definitely uh, a real issue. One of the ones I address in the book is um, airplane food. You know, it's tough to find a good meal on an airplane, especially if you can't afford first class. Um, and there's some interesting science here. Um, you know, they've done studies that show that when you're in an airplane in the air, because they the cabin is so dry, they dry it out for various safety concerns. Um, because the cabin is so dry your taste sensation is reduced by about 30% because your nose and your mouth are so dry. Um, as a result, you need to amp up the seasoning on an airplane. So I recommend um, traveling with what I call it your in-flight saustation device. And <laughs> that is, if you buy those little, you know, the little three-ounce plastic bottles they make to put your shampoo in, you know, that they're, yeah. small, enough, they're small enough to get through security. Um, so if you buy those three-ounce bottles, fill them up with, Sriracha, soy sauce, honey, lime juice, whatever you want, uh, hot sauce, your favorites, and then you want salt and pepper, have those things at the ready. And then whatever food you have on the plane, whether you bought it and brought it or whether it's served to you, you have the ability to increase the, the salt and increase the spice and the flavor to counteract what's happening to your taste sensation on the plane. Um, and even if you forget all those things or you're, you, know, you didn't get a chance to get them, one of the things you can also do is just ask for pretzels or peanuts, which don't forget, have salt on them and crunch. So let's say you got a salad or you got a piece of chicken. Grab those pretzels that you get for free, crumble them up, and sprinkle them on top of your chicken. And now you have pretzel encrusted chicken that adds some salt and some crunch. Um, and, and you can kind of season, you can wing it there and, and make your airplane food a little more delicious. I love what you've just said. In fact, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Last night I was going to a function with my daughter, and she whips out of her purse, I kid you not, a little plastic sriracha bottle on a keychain. She goes, oh, I'm taking this in case the food is bland. And I burst into to laughter because I thought, that is pretty smart. And, and she, had given, she had given these little bottles to her friends for Christmas. That's that's impressive. I mean, she obviously is a woman, young woman with her priorities in order. She's an eater, you know. Yeah, she's, exactly. a, she's she's an eater, and she's passionate about you know the food thing. And so I I give her credit for uh, arming herself with those condiments before she travels anywhere. You know. Yeah. No. Totally. She. Uh, I want to sit next to her on my next flight. Yeah. That's if she'll share. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been on the air with. Sporkful for five years. And what are some of the more surprising or enlightening discoveries that you've made that has made your eating more enjoyable? Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, the Sporkful, the, the podcast has been for five years. We got picked up by WNYC, New York Public Radio, about a year ago, which has been really great and allowed us to do a lot of exciting new things with the podcast. And um, 
I think that one of the one of the things that I learned that that I always keep coming back to is is all about tortilla chips. I don't know about you, Lisa. Like, if if you have a a standard issue triangular tortilla chip, and you're going to dip it, do you hold it by one point and dip two points, or do you hold a straight edge and dip a single point? I am a double pointed holder, so single point is the is the dipping. I so go in with the single point, definitely. So it's like your your as your arm extends to the dip, it's like a spear. Yes, I am and, spearing and my salsa. You're spearing your salsa, right? Okay. And so I actually interviewed a structural engineer on the issue of uh, structural engineering of tortilla chips, and what he explained to me is that. Um, you know, and the, 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 there's some parts of the book or on my podcast where I'll say this is the right way, this is the wrong way. There's other times where I say there's no right or wrong, but I just want you to understand the factors at play so you can make the right decision for you. This is what this is one. Of, <laughs> this, this tortilla chip one is the latter. This is it's up to you, but know what's going on here. So, Lisa, the way you hold the chip, you are dipping a single point. The, the downside of that is that you get less of a surface area for dipping. You can pick up less dip that way. The, uh, whereas if you hold a single point and dip two points, you can pick up more dip. But the flip side is that your approach is more structurally sound. It's less likely to break off a bit of chip in the dip. Whereas if you dip with two points, you're, you're risking breakage, which of course is sort of one of the most tragic things that can happen when you're eating chips. Well, um, it does. It, it it could promote like cootie contamination of the of the salsa because that means you have to reach in with your f- fingers to get the point that is broken off. That's true. Or or you could you know you could you could uh, send another chip in there. You could send one chip in to try to retrieve his fallen brother. Um, you know, and you try to do a scoop where you scoop out the the chip fragment along with some more dip, and that can be a great bite right there. That's true. That's true. I, you know, I didn't, didn't think about that secondary chip in the retrieval process. You're right. But, you know, I, now I'm never going to look at um, a, a, dip, a chip dipping in the same way, ever, 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 ever. There's a lot of science there, a lot of science. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of science. Now, there's another, another thing I want to know about, which is the limp lunch sandwich. How do we, how do we uh, fluff that up? Well, tell, well uh, tell me more about the, the sandwich you have in mind. Well, I've got, you know, in mind maybe is a fabulous tuna that's been tarted up with maybe a little wasabi mayonnaise, a little maybe some, I don't know, or maybe capers. Or There's a lot going on, a lot of flavor. And then maybe there's some arugula or beautiful lettuce on there, and I pack it and maybe open it three hours later and limp. The greens are limp. Right. Okay. I, I think what we have, and, and, and what about the bread? How, how is the bread held up at that point? The bread is a little mm, not so good either. Okay. I think that the issue you have here is there's just too much liquid in your sandwich. You know, uh, too much moisture. You have, uh, whether it's mayonnaise or olive oil or whatever it is, I think I would recommend a couple things. Um, you, you either, so the first thing is I would, I would if, you, if you're going to use a sandwich with a lot of uh, moisture and liquid inside, like uh, with a tuna salad kind of thing in there, or olive oil or mayo, 
um, you want a crusty, you want it on a, cru a crusty roll because a crusty roll as opposed to a slice of bread has that hard crusty shell. So even if the interior bread gets a little bit soggy, the crusty shell will hold up and it will maintain the structure of your sandwich. It'll hold up against all that moisture. As for the arugula, I think you have one of two choices. You, you can pack the arugula separately and add it at the end right before you eat it. Or, you know, it, or if, you're, if you don't like the crusty roll and you want softer bread, the easiest thing to do is to keep the dressing of the sandwich on the side. Or um, pack your tuna salad in one container and then dry bread and arugula in another container and then put them together at your desk at work. And, um, I mean, I, I get that that's more effort. It's, it is more effort, but it really isn't that much more effort. I mean, you're talking about an extra three or four minutes of work to pack the tuna salad separately from the greens and the bread and then marry them upon eating. And that extra three or four minutes is going to like exponentially increase the deliciousness, you know, and then to bring th things full circle and like talk about, you know, the whole driving force of your show is that like, you know, I, I do feel like when I wake up in the morning, no matter how crummy the day ahead may look like the meals are the, always the bright spots. Like I'm always looking forward to like, oh, I can't wait till lunch. I'm going to eat this or that and it's going to be great. And when you give yourself a little bit, when you put forth that little bit of extra effort to make that lunch sandwich a little bit better, the extra happiness that it brings you, like multiply that by three meals a day, seven days a week for many, many years. And I do think that that's like a material improvement in your life. You know, like I'm, I'm excited for lunch right now. So I I I am excited for lunch too. I'm I'm, I'm believe me. I've been thinking about it. But you know, <laughs> I, I, you you have helped me solve the limp lunch conundrum. And I had you know, it's so it's so obvious and simple, but yet we don't think about it to go with the uh, assemblage approach. That you know, go dry go dry on the on the on the meat or the protein source. Go crusty on the bread. Go separate with your greens, and then put it all together and anticipate in a lovely way that savoring and deliciousness as you eat it. So it makes really good sense. Amazing tip. There you go. That's right. And, and, and as you eat it, put your phone down and just concentrate on the sandwich and enjoy every bite. Oh, yes. Put the phone down. Don't get me started on, you know, digital detoxing because I have come to be a huge proponent of putting the electronics away at mealtime. And we will ha you'll have to come back and we'll have to talk about how the importance of this. We are almost out of time. And before we go, I want to ask you maybe your top simple life hack, simple daily life hack to enjoy every bite of what we're eating. Well, well, here, here's a quick and easy one, which is like a, a grilled cheese sandwich or any kind of crispy sandwich. Um, you know, a big part of the pleasure of it is the crispy, buttery the crisp, the, the, the crisp on the outside of that sandwich when it comes off the griddle. But when you take a hot, crispy, golden, buttery brown grilled cheese sandwich and put it flat on a plate, what happens is that uh, the heat turns to steam, which creates condensation, and the bottom of your grilled cheese turns soggy almost the second that it hits the plate. So what I recommend is that you take your grilled cheese sandwich, slice it in half on the di diagonal, and then set the two halves to be standing upright like two mountain peaks. That allows air circulation all the way around the bread, and it maintains crisp on top and bottom of your sandwich. And that way you get all the crispy, buttery brown, golden brown deliciousness that the grilled cheese is supposed to have. Wow. 
That that was a simple one. Dan Cashman, <laughs> you are just simple deliciousness. Thank you for being with us today. To learn more, please visit www.sporkful.com on Facebook, Sporkful, and on Twitter at the Sporkful. We are out of time, but here are a few closing thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my amazing Dans, Dan Butner and Dan Pashman, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember... Happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And I want to thank our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Go out and make it a delicious day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the TogiNet Radio Network.